welcome back everyone to another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. Just when you think the NFL can't get any more exciting, seems week after week after week, the games just keep getting ratcheted up in intensity and excitement levels, which is exactly what the league wants in terms of bringing in viewers. Don't know if anyone has seen the numbers that have come in, but absolutely staggering viewership figures coming in from both the AFC and NFC Championship games, which is why we are going to talk all things Super Bowl today. Now, we've recently already had on Jake from Downtown Rams to cover all of the Los Angeles Rams stuff. So figured we haven't had anyone on for the Cincinnati Bengals in a hot minute. So we've got two great guests for you coming your way to give you all the details on the Cincinnati Bengals season, predictions for the Super Bowl, betting lines, and more. Up first, we're going to be sitting down with host of the Back Row Cincinnati Bengals show, Josh Miller, to give us his takes on the keys to victory for the Cincinnati Bengals if they want to be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in a little over a week's time against the Rams. Then we are joined from Mike from the Locked On Bengals podcast and the All Bengals website to give even more analysis on the story of how the Bengals got to where they are now, some of the things they need to do to have success in the Super Bowl, and some of the things they still need to address in the offseason as well, too. So jam episode should give you some real insights into what makes this Bengals offense and defense tick. Let's get right to it. Up first from the back row Cincinnati Bengals show, Josh Miller. Joining us on the podcast today, we've got the Super Bowl coming up. So why wouldn't we have a Cincinnati Bengals fan on here? We've got Josh Miller from the back row Cincinnati Bengals show. Josh, how are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I am on cloud nine. Who would have thought out of my 23 years, I've never even seen a playoff win. And now all of a sudden we are going to Super Bowl. It is the most surreal, I think, time in my life. The University of Cincinnati Bearcats went to the college football playoff, and now the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I I mean, I don't don't think you could draw it up any better. I'm surprised that I'm actually awake. Like, I'm still waiting to wake up and – I'm back to reality and we're back to five and 12 and, and you know, UC's terrible again. And Tommy Tuberville's still the coach over there. Marvin <laughs> Lewis is still the coach over here. So I'm living in a dream right now, man, but thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no, it feels a little bit like twilight zone in Ohio right, right now. Like how tired were you of seeing the, the classic? Oh, uh, no one has ever sent the text of the Cincinnati Bengals have won oh, a playoff game. Like how old did that get? <laughs> I mean, it's just the the hatred for the Cincinnati Bengals from the national media is 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 bar none, and maybe it's because we've just never really had a likable team like this that we have this year. I mean, obviously, we were pretty good during the 2010s through 2015 with you know uh, with Andy Dalton and AJ Green, but we also had a lot of dislikable characters around the league. You know, Pac-Man Jones, Vontez Perfect. So we were looked at a lot as like the villain. So people liked to poke fun at us. And, you know, a lot of it was deservedly. So <laughs> we still don't even have an indoor practice facility. Don't hate on us. But, um, but I, I mean, it, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's incredible. And now that the text has been sent, and now we're texting that we're in the freaking Super Bowl. That, I mean, send the text, send the Zoom chat. And now we're podcasting about it, and I'm talking to you from my house in Cincinnati, Ohio, and you're in Ontario, Canada. Like, it's crazy to me. Yeah, it's just well, nuts. There you go. The Bengals are now a global brand. Who would have thought? Like, Who would have thought? Not Vegas, because if mm-hmm. you look at the odds they were getting preseason and you put any kind of a even moderately substantial wager on them making the Super Bowl, you're a very rich individual right now. Huge. Getting, yeah, no preseason love. 4-11-1, you know, Joe Burrow mm-hmm. getting carted off in 2020 horrible season 
you look at them now and especially how they've gotten to the Super Bowl, right? Like, I mean, you have the, the NFL in up in arms over how Josh Allen doesn't even get to touch the ball in overtime the week mm-hmm. prior. You guys lose the coin toss and we think, oh, mm-hmm. here we go again. Like, what is even the mood in Cincinnati right now with this team in the Super Bowl? So I'll, I'll just I will I want to start you uh, there with the just the first the first playoff win. So after the first playoff win, so I I worked with the Bengals, so I was out the game, um, and absolute just jubilation when mm-hmm. Jermaine Pratt picked off that ball to end that game. Went down to the Banks, which is this uh, little part between the Bengals Stadium and the Cincinnati Reds Stadium. There's this strip of bars lit up. It was insane. I went to my favorite bar called the Holy Grail. Took forever to get in, pushing and shoving everywhere. People getting arrested, beer bottles flying everywhere. But the excitement was just so palpable, and you could you could cut it with a knife. That this 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 weight off of our shoulders has just been lifted, and the city is just almost like a sigh of relief. Now you fast forward to the Super Bowl, and we were talking about this a little pre-show. We don't even really know what to do with ourselves at this point. <laughs> it's so insane, and uh, you know, just to give you an idea of like what's going around in our uh, in our you know just Cincinnati in general. The schools are now calling for the day after the Super Bowl uh, as a as a as a holiday, which is incredible for me because I'm a teacher. So I, I can't <laughs> I can't wait until my district calls it off. But they haven't called it off yet. So please, you know, my school district, please call it off. But like during classes, like you're seeing kids that are usually would be wearing Lamar Jackson jerseys or Patrick Mahomes jersey, kids that we have lost to other teams all coming back you're seeing burrow jerseys chase jersey evan mcpherson jerseys which his when was the last time that you heard of a kicker's jersey selling out maybe vinatieri maybe 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 yeah, yeah kickers but, don't mean, get a lot of love very no, often there no they don't get love very often at all and we're having local culture lessons we, i was teaching a class and there was a local culture lesson so instead i just put on Bengals highlights of the AFC championship game i think <laughs> I think that's great local culture. I think it's perfect. So the, the excitement in the city is, is something I have never seen before, especially as a Bengals fan. Just I've never, ever seen it uh, quite like that. And, you know, it's it's amazing to see, especially when I have, you know, my family, my dad's been a Bengals fan all his entire life. And, you know, this is what we kind of do. This is Bengals football. We've never had a team like this. So we don't even really know what to do with ourselves at this point. We're just – we're just along and enjoying the ride. And I mean, we're living in a dream. We really are. It's so surreal. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go from top 10 draft pick last year and okay, we've got Joe Burrow. That's kind of a nice piece. We've got Mixon, but we don't really have an identity on either side of the ball to Super Bowl this year. Like if you had to just from a macro level, boil it down to maybe one or two key things that changed between 2020 and 2021. Like what were the key things that went differently this year that make you a Super Bowl team versus a four win squad in 2020? So I think you got, you have to look at, you have to look at the front office. And again, the Bengals front office has taken plenty of heat and a lot of it well-deserved. Trust me. I understand completely well-deserved, but they were able to do something during this off season with free agency. They were so aggressive and they, they went out, they spent a lot of money. They, they went up, they shaped up their defense. They did, a things, they did a lot of things that were not the safe route. You look at one of our biggest, best defenders, Trey Hendrickson this year. 
He was a he was a guy that we signed to a four year deal, and a lot of people were calling that he is a one year wonder type of guy. He's a bust. They don't like this pickup because you know he was on a really good Saints defensive line. So a lot of people were saying he was he was just kind of living in the shadows of Cameron Hayward and in that great defensive mm-hmm. line. Obviously, I mean that is not the case. He's having a career year, um, in in just the the aggression has been so good. And then also on top of that, I think it's just the buy-in from the players, this locker room that you, that you hear about from guys like CJ Uzama, guys who have been there before, just guys like Joe Mixon um, that have, that have came through and said, this is the best locker room we've ever been a part of. You see it on the field. The, one of the, my favorite things to watch when the Bengals score a touchdown is the sideline. Watch the sideline that all of the defense gets up and runs down the field and they're cheering their teammates on. And, you know, when you have a roster that, especially on the offensive side of the ball with your receiving core that is as stacked as the Bengals are, and I may be a little bit biased, but I do think it's the best receiving core in the league. Um, but these guys don't really care who's getting the ball that much. I mean, Tyler Boyd, again, a guy that's been here forever, um, he's, his, his, obviously his targets have gone way, way down because of T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. But you see – his mentality and in the way he acts on the field and how he is. And when he does get the ball, he takes care of his job. He does his, he does his job really, really well. And he's such a great locker room guy. So this cohesion in the locker room is, is something that again, like I I've never really seen before. And, you know, that has really helped out this Bengals team extend, you know, this, this magical run. They love playing with each other and it's just the resiliency of it. And I think a lot of that goes to the coaching of Zach Taylor guy that was 625 and one that plenty of Cincinnatians were calling for his head is now taking this team to the Super Bowl. And a lot of that has to do with the, the culture that he's created and the mindset of we're never really out. And now, I mean, a lot of that has to do with having Joe Burrow as your quarterback. I mean, he is that guy. He's that dude. I mean, we won't want to talk about Joe, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and they're incredible talents, incredible talents. It's going to be the AFC is going to be something of a just an absolute magical spectacle for the next you know five to ten years, but Joe has this 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 swagger about him that allows him to just you know it, it's called it's the Burrow effect it's real and you know everybody feeds off of it so it, I would say that on a macro level is probably where this team has really excelled from 2020 to 2021. You know, you raise an interesting point there too, right? Because Zach Taylor, when he even got announced as the next head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, wasn't exactly a unanimous or a popular pick there. There was some backlash before he even coached his first game. Didn't get helped by then going two and 14 in his first mm-hmm. season behind yep. the sidelines there. So mm-hmm. yep. he has done a tremendous job, as you alluded to, of really creating that tight knit locker room and it's something that as you said the players all rave about it there but like if you're talking to someone who has never watched the Cincinnati Bengals play like what would you say is the identity that Zach Taylor has sought out to try and create there like you look at a Kansas City you can say you know it's a high-powered offense and the defense is kind of long for the ride and if they can hold them to maybe 25 the offense will get them 30 like what is it that the Bengals can really hang their hat on that has been so successful this year you know, you can always look at the offense and obviously, obviously you have the weapons that you do, but I think, I think in terms of just talking about the team as a whole, it's resiliency. It's their ability to be down in games or be out of games or, or have things not go their way. And the other parts of the team step up. There's plenty, plenty of games where the offense has gone 
completely dead. I mean, you look at the game against Denver, a must-win game in the regular season. They have to go to Denver. They only score 15 points Mm -hmm. and because the defense played so immaculately well because they were able to help out the offense. Now, then you jump to uh, another week against Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season when they won the AFC North. The defense was not playing great. They let up 28 points in the first half. But the offense was able to keep them in the game. And then the second half, you saw the defense really, really pick it up. And they held the Chiefs to a only three points in the second half. I would have to say resiliency is, is where you see this team thrive and their mentality. And they're so disciplined, too. The Bengals, again, one thing, as a Bengals fan, this is not normal. But the <laughs> Bengals, not normal at all. Second half adjustments are, is, is so foreign to us. Yeah. But another thing that's so foreign to us is uh, – not being penalized this team has taken advantage of other teams because the Bengals are the least penalized team in the league and they have absolutely taken advantage of that and ran with it and they've been able to play a disciplined style of football that keeps them in the game even when it seems like they are completely out of it they are still in the game you saw it this year or you saw it this past Sunday in the AFC championship game down 18 points in Arrowhead to the Chiefs and it's almost like they didn't even really break a sweat it was like okay yep this is what we got to do Defense yes, yet again goes out and only hold and she hold this the Chiefs to only three points. Like it's it's so incredible to watch the resiliency of a team in the second half adjustments that they make. So I would say if you're looking uh, for for somebody new that's watching this game, it's a fun team. It's a team that cares about each other, and it's a team that is really really resilient. Yeah, well, obviously having someone like Joe Burrow under center definitely helps, but already here we are very early on in his career and already the comparisons are getting lobbed out there of this reminds me of a young Tom Brady, right? They're they're not saying he's destined to go out and win seven Super Bowls here, but just the swagger he's got, just the competitive nature, just a lot of those characteristics. And this isn't coming from, you know, the talking heads who are just throwing takes out there just for the sake of generating headlines. This is coming from a lot of his peers that are actually playing in the NFL right now. So for you who is watching this team closely, is it Tom Brady that he really reminds you of? Or is there maybe another quarterback that you think based on whether it's his skill set or his off-field demeanor or whatever, like what sort of comparison would you make as a Bengals fan for Burrow? Honestly, just Joe Burrow and, and who he is. I think he is a special talent. He's different from a lot of these other guys. A lot of people want to throw out Tom Brady, and trust me, that's fine with me. If maybe you want to compare him to Tom freaking Brady, the GOAT. Um, I think a lot of people compare his, him to Tom Brady because of how he wins and how he places the ball and how he shows up when the lights are the brightest. I think that is the biggest thing about Joe. Uh, you know, because he will have days where he doesn't have the sexiest day. Uh, I mean, he had 250 yards against the Chiefs with two touchdowns, and, you know, he did throw an interception. But it, what the biggest part of it was was how, again, he just continues to fight back. And then in overtime, he's able to drive the Bengals down and, and get them in field goal range before overtime. He's able to lead an 18-point comeback to tie the game and then take the lead and force the Chiefs to have to make a drive down. And then luckily our, our uh, red zone defense was playing stellar that day, so they were able to stop the Chiefs. So I love all the comparisons because they're comparing them to a lot of the greats. But I mean, honestly, he is who he is. He's Joe Burrow. Like he is going, he's a different, he's a different breed. He's one of those guys that again, that can take his, can take nine sacks against Tennessee and get up 10 times and, and still again, lead a team when he's not having the best day. But when we need him the most, when we, when it's the most clutch time and, and we need a score, we need to drive, we need a first down. 
he's the guy we look for. And, and again, he, he resonates with the rest of the team. So it's the Burrow effect. It's a real thing. Yeah. Well, coming out of 2020, you, you know, you've got Joe Burrow now recovering from major knee surgery. So the huge debate was, do you go and get his teammate in Jamar Chase out of LSU, or do you get a franchise tackle in a Panay Sewell who can maybe protect him and keep him a little bit upright? Obviously, the gamble on Chase has paid off in spades, but if we look at the offensive line for Cincinnati, obviously better than they were last year, but far from amongst the league's best right now. Like when we're looking at the big boys up front, whose job it is to keep Joe Burrow upright, what is the one need that you see the most along that line? Is it tackle? Is it guard? Is it a center? Like a Creed Humphrey kind of type there? Like what is it that they really need to go out and try and address maybe this offseason coming up? Yeah, so obviously the offensive line is, is definitely not where it needs to be. If we, if we want to continue this run and we want to keep him up, right, and continue this run, you know, not just this year but for the next five years, um, you really want to look at right tackle and you want to look at center. So uh, we, we signed Riley Reef in the offseason, who has been who's been pretty exceptional. You know, the, he's, he's not incredible, but he, he holds his own. He got injured a couple of weeks ago, so he's been a he's been a real big loss, and you can kind of feel that. So we have a lot of young guys on the on this offensive line, but if you can go out and go get a right tackle or go get a a big time tackle, that's, that's probably what we're looking at. I mean, you mentioned Creed Humphrey at the center position, so at the center position, we have Trey Hopkins, who has been with the Bengals for a long time, and he's he's really good, but he just had a massive ACL tear last year, and you know his his return. You know, it was it was overshadowed by Joe Burrow's return, but his return it was just as remarkable. But he's definitely not back to where he usually is, and he's mm-hmm. definitely not up to where we need him to be. So we're going to be looking at definitely going at center. Uh, the center from Iowa, God, I, I forget his name. That's probably where we're going to be looking for in this year's draft if we can wait that long. You know, if he can show up that long. Um, I mean, I would love to get Sauce Gardner from the University of Cincinnati and keep that boy in the five-one-three, but I don't know if he's going to be around that late. But I, I would say we're we're going to be looking at center and probably right tackle if we choose not to re-sign Riley Reap, which is a good possibility because he was only on a one-year deal. You never know with some of these guys. So uh, we're going to be. I think that's where uh, the Bengals really need to attack in free agency is is going to be that center, that right guard, because you know you have Jackson Carmen, you have Akeem Adeniji, who are both two. In the they're in the process. That's what they are. They're they're in the process right now. Uh, they got great work ethic, and, and they they will continue to come back and get better. And with the new our offensive line coach Frank Pollock, who was here a couple of years here a couple of years ago, now he's first year back. You know he does a great job of, of being able to get this line together. It's honestly amazing what this line has been able to do with the talent that they have now. Um, but so, you know, it, it's a work, works in progress, but that's where we're going into attack in the free agency. Now you, you bring up the, the Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell, uh, debate. I think, I guess we are still having this, so we got to talk about it a little bit. Um, so I was team chase all the way through, um, because a lot of people didn't really understand one of the reasons that Joe Burrow was getting sacked so much last year was because that his receivers weren't getting any separation. They were able to clamp that uh, cornerbacks were able to clamp down on the Bengals receivers. Now Tyler Boyd and T Higgins are great, but we were missing that last key piece that was really letting this offense explode. Now we have Jamar chase. Now these defenses are really starting to soften up. They're not able to blitz as much. And when they do Joe Burrow cooks them, Joe Burrow is still the highest rated quarterback on the blitz. And he, he is so good at picking apart defenses and reading those defenses. So, Teams have been able have to 
you know, find a way to get a rush just through their front four. Now, Tennessee was able to do that because they have a ridiculous front four. But, you know, adding Jamar Chase has really added an explosiveness to this offense, and it's allowed this offense to really excel. So, I, while Penesel, he could be a great franchise um, tackle for the Lions, happy for him, but I think Chase, I think we made the right answer. Or we made the right decision. Yeah, definitely won't have too much buyer's regret on that one there. I mean, you know, assuming Howie Roseman doesn't go rogue as an Eagles fan, if <laughs> somehow makes it through all three of our first round picks, you know, I would be very shocked. So I'm hoping to be in a little bit of midnight green personally. But you bring up the point of, you know, Joe Burrow, it does so well against the Blitz. And that that's good because coming up to the Super Bowl, he is going to be facing a very fearsome defensive line from the Los Angeles Rams there and whether it's Von Miller whether it's Aaron Donald like they can bring heat from a variety of different levels on that defensive line and from their linebacker core and even bringing their safeties into it so are you thinking that this is something that we're going to have shades of last year's Super Bowl where Kansas City's line really struggled to keep Patrick Mahomes upright and it was a lot of bootlegs and rollouts and he was kind of running for his life a little bit back there? Or do you think there's some sort of a scheme that they can draw up that will at least slow down the Rams enough that Burrow can get his passes off and actually go through his reads and his progressions? So, I, I mean, obviously the Rams are a great team and they made it to the Super Bowl for a reason. They're, they're great and they, they have a great defense. But the Bengals have faced great defenses before. There are great defenses in the AFC. I mean, we're, going, we're coming out of the AFC North, which I think is, I like to call it the ghetto of the NFL. It is the toughest, hardest-hitting division in the league. And I love it. Personally, I think it's the hardest, toughest division to get out of. Um, but – that being said, I mean, obviously, we're, we haven't faced the Rams. We've been, we haven't really faced a defense quite like this. So probably what we're going to be doing is we're going to get this ground game working first. Whereas we're going to get Joe Mixon able to get some reps and, and get him going early. I, I think that's going to be really, really important to lighten up that pressure. So that way they have to res- respect the run, and, and maybe they're going to have to stack the box. Now when they stack the box, we can start attacking from the outside, bubble screens, wide receiver screens, which we do – a generally a really, really great job of, especially with Jamar Chase. After that first point of contact, Jamar Chase is gone. And he's made some great, great plays. So and don't and one of the things that again that we kind of talked about a little bit, the things that the Bengals do this year that they haven't really done ever is the second half adjustments. They are able to throw a game plan out and reinstill a new one. So I don't think it's going to be exactly a lot of like Kansas City's like running around, running gun stuff. Because Kansas City, let's be honest, they play a lot of backyard ball. They really do. They, they're running around a lot. Patrick Mahomes just after a while just tries to make a play and, you know, and, and you know, throws it to Travis Kelsey, who's somehow always wide open. Shout out to the University of Cincinnati, speaking of which, which I'm a proud alum of. Um, but, I mean, we faced defenses like this before. We got sacked nine times against Tennessee, but we're still finding, able to find a way to win. So it's going to be about controlling that clock and slowly wearing the defense down and picking your shots when they are available. So it's going to be really, really fun to watch. And I'm really excited to watch Zach Taylor versus Sean McVay, two guys that have a great mind for football and especially on the offensive side of the ball with Zach Taylor. So it's going to be, it's going to be an incredible uh, sight to see. I, I think it's going to be a really, really close Super Bowl. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I think it's going to be really entertaining and this is going to be really fun. And, you know, I, I honestly, one of the best things about this is that 
it doesn't really feel like that this is like the middle or the end of something. This is the start of something in Cincinnati. We have our entire skill set positions on, on our offensive side of the ball uh, under contract for 2023. We're going to get a lot of free agents because honestly, I, I don't understand why, you know, an offensive lineman wouldn't, wouldn't want to come to Cincinnati to protect Joe Burrow and to be on a team that, you know, went from, you know, four, you know, four wins to, Super Bowl. I, I, so back to back to your point. It, it's it, so that's how I think we're we're going to be establishing that game. And I don't. Joe's going to have to make some plays. He's going to be under pressure in the pocket. He's going to have to escape some sacks. But um, well, we're going to have to just try to find a way and just try to find a way to win, which is kind of what we've done this entire season. Just find a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Lot lots of options on offense. There, you've got Joe Mixon, you've got Higgins, you've got Boyd, you've got Chase. Now, knowing that. Jalen Ramsey is probably going to be shadowing Chase for large portions of the Super Bowl. There, if you had to make a prediction right now of who is Burrow going to lean on most offensively, who do you think sees the most targets, touches, yards, all of that good stuff come Super Bowl Sunday? Well, that's a that's a great question. I've kind of gone back and forth with how they're going to guard the Bengals receivers. Um, I, I saw a couple that they would put Jalen Ramsey on and, and go one-on-one. And, and honestly, if they're going to go one-on-one with Jamar, I trust Jamar Chase in that. I really do. So if, if they go one-on-one against Jalen Ramsey, Jamar Chase, who, again, is a pro, pro bowl-level talent, um, I, I think you're going to look at Jamar Chase getting a lot of touches. Now, I did also see that they're going to double-team Jamar Chase, and they're going to put Jalen Ramsey on T. Higgins. Now, if that happens, you're going to be looking at Tyler Boyd and C.J. Uzama if he is back which would be massive. You're going to see a lot of them getting a lot of touches too. But if, if they decide to double Jamar Chase with Jalen Ramsey, and I, I think you're going to see a lot of T Higgins, a, a guy that I, I, I feel bad calling him wide receiver two on the Bengals, because I feel like if he was on any other team, he's wide receiver one far away. Uh, so I like to call him wide receiver one a and one B. It just kind of depends on the day pretty much for who's going to get the most touches. So you're going to see a lot of T Higgins. You're going to see a lot of balls get thrown up in the air, a lot of jump balls. So uh, one of the things that Joe Burrow does really, really well is throwing that 50, 50 ball and putting it in spots where it turns a 50, 50 ball into like a 70, 30 ball for the receivers. That's what he, Joe does so well. He allows his receivers to go and make a play. So you're going to, you're going to see a lot of T Higgins, uh, I would say in, in this game, if, if I had to make a guess, you're going to see a lot of him. And you're going to see a lot of Tyler Boyd step it up. So, uh, if Tyler Boyd and T Higgins can step up and, you know, Jamar Chase can take away a lot of their corners and a lot of their coverage, then we'll be good to go. You look at the other side of the ball, the, the Cincinnati defense doesn't really get a lot of love, right? They're kind of an underrated fly under the radar. You know, they, they don't really excel at any one particular area. They're not terrible at another. So most of their averages are right in the middle of the pack statistically across the league. Mm-hmm. So if this was going to go the way of someone on the defensive side gets named Super Bowl MVP, a la a Seahawks Super Bowl or something yeah. like that, who do you think is the most likely candidate to just have that breakout game and really disrupt things on the defensive side of the Bengals ball? So when you ask that, two players immediately came to mind. I'm um, we'll start with we'll start with the defensive line. I'm start with excuse me. I'm gonna start with Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson has been. Again, like I said, it's just been a godsend for this defensive line. And, and, and the Marion Hobby, who was our defensive line coach, has been able to really coach up this uh, this style of Bengals team. And Lou Anaruma, our defensive coordinator, deserves a lot of credit. A guy that I had zero faith in, by the way, going into the season. Now <laughs> I love him. I, I love him. Uh, but Trey Hendrickson has been, you know, just this guy that is just so disruptive. And he's been able to really change offenses. And offenses are going to have to scheme around him 
And if the Rams don't do that and, and they decide to just play their ball, which, you know, it got into the Super Bowl, so why would they not? Um, but you're going to look at Trey Hendrickson, especially if he gets a couple sacks. You're, you're going to be looking at that, especially if he gets strip sacks too. The next guy I got to talk about is Jesse Bates, a guy that we had such high hopes for going into the year. He comes out in the regular season, he's playing not that great. He, he really isn't. He wasn't the elite level talent that we thought he was going to be. Then in the playoffs, he really turned on the Jets. He's been making plays all over the all over the field. His range of motion has really, really picked up in the past couple of weeks. He's able to go out and make plays. I mean, you saw it against the Chiefs in overtime. Jesse Bates makes the biggest play probably in Bengals' defensive history by knocking the ball away right in Avon Bell's hand, and then we get the interception. So I would say those are our two guys that, that you're looking at when it comes to the MVP talk on the defensive side of the ball. What's the roadmap here? Like, is the game script – favor Cincinnati more if it's a low scoring kind of grinded out Joe Mixon is seeing maybe 2025 touches or is this something that Cincinnati might actually be looking to try and turn into a bit of a track meet and hey we're, we're going to try and go for 35 if you guys can get to 40 more power to you type thing like what's the roadmap that you see that if the Bengals are going to hoist a Lombardi trophy when all is said and done how is things going to unfold I think it, it, a lot of it is just going to be keeping the game close in the first half or, or or having the lead in the first half because again our second half adjustments i i, I think are, are are some of the best in the league and, and they've been just as they've been so good this year with that second half adjustment um I, I would say i've seen the Bengals play in both types of games i've seen the Bengals win and lose in both those types of games the freaking jets i can't believe we lost to them I still they single-handedly ruined my suicide pool uh, i'm so sorry about that i am so so sorry about that that's our that's on us i mean mike white give, give him credit mike white did tear us up um i i would say that more or less you're gonna look at a grinded out gritty type of ball game mm-hmm. just because that's kind of what we've seen out of the out of just this year's playoffs from the Bengals. It, is that that's how they kind of have been able to win these games is to keep it close and to grind it out and to eventually wear the other team down. And then just to continually try to keep taking your shots. No, don't, you can't get scared if you're the Bengals, especially if Joe Burrow takes, you know, one, two, three sacks, Uh, you know, you got to get back up and you got to keep taking those shots because they are going to open eventually, you know, we're going to have guys that are going to make a play. So you're going to probably see a gritty, grinded-out type of game. You're probably going to see a low-scoring game. If you're a gambling person, I would definitely say take the under in this game. That's, that's probably where we're going to be looking at. Um, but, you know, but then you have Joe Burrow who shows up in the lights of the brightest. You know, he just might go out there and throw for 300 and 400 yards. And if that were to happen, then I'll tell you this, the Rams will match that. And it'll, it'll just keep going back and forth, back and forth. And, and then it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. It really is. So it's going to be, it's, I would say you're probably looking at more of a gritty grinded out type of game. Well, you had to assume this question was coming here. Got to get a score prediction out of you before we let you go. How do you think things are going to go when Bengals actually meet the Rams on Super Bowl Sunday? I full, uh, I fully expect to go in and win. Now, obviously that's a lot harder said than done. Um, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at again, Joe Burrow, not having the sexiest day ever, but he's going out there and he's doing the things that we need him to do. Showing up in crunch time, showing up when we need him the most and then throwing those balls that are really, really tight window. And and we need to get down the field for a a game tying field goal or go ahead field goal, or uh, we need a touchdown. So, um, you're, uh, man, this score prediction, I would have to say, I mean, 
I'm probably looking at, a, a, again, kind of a more of a lower scoring ball game here. I think Evan McPherson is going to be a big factor in this game for the Bengals. You're going to see him. I would say if his over-under on field goal attempts and field goals made is at two and a half, it definitely takes the over. I think he's going to be kicking a lot. So I'm probably looking at uh, – this is really low scoring. I'm looking at like a 25, 24 to 21 type of game. I'm looking at a low scoring game. And our first Labardi trophy is coming back to Cincinnati is what I'm predicting to happen. But, you know, again, hard. it's going to be a hard fought. It's going to be a great ball game. Well, it wouldn't be a Cincinnati Bengals playoff game if McPherson didn't play a prominent role there. (laughs) So uh, that one seems like a lock for sure. But Josh, we appreciate you coming on here. For those that are listening, though, that want to tune in or check out any of the stuff that you're doing, where are the best places to find you these days? Great. Thank you for having me on. I had an absolute blast. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Bengals. And then you can also find my podcast pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts. The Back Row Cincinnati Bengals Show. You can find it anywhere on podcasts. Um, I'm also I'm, I'm sponsored by uh, Fansided.com. I do some writing and blogs over there. If you go to Fansided.com, I write about the Bengals. And uh, you can find a lot of my blogs over there. But mainly that's pretty much where you can find me. And so at Back Row Bengals on Twitter. Uh, but you can find pretty much any sort of blog on uh, Fansided.com. Beautiful. All right. Well, Josh, again, we appreciate you coming on. We'll check in with you in a couple of weeks and we'll see if you're smiling or if, you know, it's a sad day in Cincinnati, but hopefully at least the school board gives you the day off yep. the next day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. First time on a Canadian podcast. How about <laughs> that? We're breaking barriers. That's awesome. So thank you so much. Had a great time. All right. Have a good one, man. Who day? All right, before we get to Mike, wanted to take a quick moment and remind everyone to head over to dinespressbox.com and click on the shop button. That'll take you right to the Fanatics partner store that we've got set up with them. They've recently added all of the Super Bowl swag. So you've got all the AFC championship gear, all the NFC championship gear, jerseys with the Super Bowl crests on them, all of that good stuff and more. So if you've got a Rams or a Bengals fan in your life, send them over to dinespressbox.com and hit that shop button. Also got the links on all of our social media accounts as well too, so you can get taken right there. And even if you don't like those teams or you like a different sport altogether, Fanatics has you covered. Go and browse their officially licensed gear today. Now let's get to it with Mike from Locked On Bengals. Joining us on the podcast tonight, we've got Mike from Locked On Bengals to talk all things Cincinnati Bengals in their lead up to Super Bowl Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams. Mike, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. I'm still riding high off of a first AFC championship win that I can never remember. I mean, this is the first playoff win I can remember a few weeks ago. So now getting three of them, that's insane to me. But yeah, still riding high off that. I'm doing great. Yeah, well, hey, when it rains, it pours. And it is definitely a torrential downpour in Cincinnati these days. Like, the Raiders, the Titans game, the Chiefs game going to overtime. Like as a Bengals fan, when you're watching all three of these games and all of them are one score games. So it's not like you cruise to victory in any of them there. Like was any one of them more satisfying than the other? Like was making the Super Bowl the the pinnacle or was just even getting that first playoff win and that monkey off the back, the mountaintop and everything else has just been gravy since then. It's weird to ask a satisfying, satisfying, I feel like maybe was the first one against the Raiders because they were in control the entire time. I wasn't as, I mean, the Raiders had a shot at the end, 
but the Bengals were up two scores a, a majority of the game. I never felt like they were in danger until that last drive. So that was the most satisfying of I wasn't constantly just oh crap mode <laughs> like what's <laughs> happening. Uh, but I think the probably the the best I felt was after the AFC Championship. Even even though I I went through all the Marvin losses. Uh, 05, 09, 11 through 15. I went through all of those and it was awesome to get the first playoff win. Winning the AFC Championship and going to the Super Bowl was just surreal. That That's one that I didn't even know if that would ever happen. I was assumed eventually they'd at least accidentally win a playoff game. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Stumble into one eventually. Blind squirrels find a nut eventually, right? So they, they were due for sure. You get to the AFC Championship game. You're in Arrowhead. It's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They go and they send it to overtime, and out comes the most important player of the night the coin flip. And you guys lose the coin toss. Like, walk me through what's going through your head as a Bengals fan, knowing you've come all this way and Burrow and the offense might be Josh Allen did not even get a chance to touch the ball here. The only thing that I felt okay about was just the chiefs were so cold at that point. They, they drove down the field and then got sacked twice, a strip sack at the end that could have lost, barely got the field goal. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I didn't feel as scared as I probably should have because, I mean, they are the explosive offense that could score in one one play, get down the field in one play, score on the next one, just like they did against the, the Bills. But I don't know. I, I had the good feeling of I think at worst they could score, but like at worst I was thinking field goal, they get down there, they score field goal. The defense has been really good. Their offense has just been – garbage that second half they three points in the second half and uh, i mean it went a lot better than i thought it would <laughs> the interception <laughs> starting at midfield i was more worried that they'd punt it and then the bengals get it and their offense was hotter but i it still wasn't enough that i felt if they got the ball at like the 10 or something that they'd be able to drive 90 yards i didn't want to play the field possession game because that's just playing with fire so that's what i was more worried about i think at the time maybe i should have been more worried about the Chiefs scoring but i was i was pretty confident even though they lost the coin toss just because of how cold the chiefs were going into it yeah well not to segue too much here, but I mean, you can now at least take an objective point of view of it because, you know, you had the coin toss and you ended up winning, right? Bills fans, if you ask a Bills fan right now, they, they need to revamp overtime rules yesterday already. So we know where they're siding on it. But if you were in charge of the NFL's competition committee and you could make an executive decision for next year, are you keeping the NFL overtime rules as they are? Are you moving to more of a NCAA model? Are you moving to like a CFL model? Like, How would you sort of solve, I guess, that issue of deciding these playoff games for future seasons? Now, if it's just me in charge, I'm probably going to I, I like the NCAA thing. I don't think I'd start at like the 25 or wherever they do just because the NFL kickers are so good. Mm -hmm. I think you got to start at like the 40 maybe or the 35, make it a little bit more challenging, but I like it. I, I think that's, it, it's exciting. Uh, especially I don't understand when they start going for two and when they kick the extra points, whatever. I don't really know all that. I think just no extra points allowed. You can kick field goals, but no extra points allowed. Um, yeah, just do that starting at like the 35 or the 40. That's what I do if it was just me. Now, if there was a whole bunch of people pushing back on that and they're trying to come up with a compromise, I do think there's an okay compromise of just 
well, if they score a touchdown, you still get the ball and you can try to tie it. And then if you score a touchdown and I don't know, kick the extra point, they get the ball back. And now you're screwed because you gave up two touchdowns. But I do think there's some merit of just why is it only a field goal and you get the ball back? Why not just, you know, allow the touchdown, get the ball back too. So I don't know. It would have been cool to see Josh Allen try to drive down the field and then uh, Patrick Mahomes get another shot to drive down the field. I don't know that it's just more exciting to get all these more, get more points. I know player safety, whatever you could just make this a playoff thing too, because there's no ties in the playoffs. So I don't know. That's how I feel is just, I think it's kind of bad as it is. One play ruins uh your chance at winning in the playoffs you don't even get the ball so just give them the ball and if they score two and now you give up another one i feel like you really don't have a leg to stand on if you give up two touchdowns in a row <laughs> yeah who knows with the the way that those two defenses were playing in uh buffalo and kc there they might still be playing that game going back and forth if it was uh keep scoring and going on but If we look at Cincinnati's offense, obviously Joe Burrow getting tons of praise and accolades, everyone's given him his flowers and rightfully so. But if we're looking at the Super Bowl here, give me a name other than Joe Burrow, who you think is going to have a breakout game for the Bengals offensively against the Rams. I mean, my first instinct is to go with T Higgins because I think the Rams, if I'm going to try to think of what they would do, what I would do and what I think they would try to do is – no matter where Jamar Chase goes, just lock Ramsey on him. And I think that's probably enough that it's going to limit what he can do. And even if you win a few, I, I don't know, that's that's probably, for my money, the best cornerback in the league. So, I don't know. That, that's what I would do. And uh, if you do that, you got Higgins against whoever their Darius Williams, I think, is their second corner. I think that's a fine matchup. You get, he just went off for 100 yards because the Chiefs were so focused on Chase. So, he could do it again. I, that offensively, that's who I'd look at. I'd look at T. Higgins. And I mean, other than that, you, you've got Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, and I think CJ Uzama is 50 50 to play. So those are the other guys. But I, I think T. Higgins clearly the most talented out of them. Yeah. Well, you just mentioned Bengals tight end, CJ Uzama. And obviously, there's news slowly trickling out as far as his injury updates. He's kind of a coin flip right now. Do you see him suiting up for the Super Bowl? And if so, do you think he's going to be anywhere close to 100%? Or is this going to be one of those wounded warrior situations where he's out there and maybe he catches a pass or two, but he's more of a decoy than anything? I don't want to doubt him because uh, he tore his Achilles. last year and he comes back and he's better than he ever was this year so it's it's kind of hard to go i don't think you'll play if i was gonna bet i'd say yeah he plays now i don't know how effective he'll be i i've i assume it's hard to play through a sprained mcl um he got carted off so i don't think it was a light one that no. uh so if I'm going to take a guess, it's kind of the wounded warrior type thing where he's going to try to play through the injury. It's the Super Bowl. I mean, if these guys can go, they're probably going to go. Um, and he's he's a guy that he fought back from a torn Achilles. I think he could fight back from a sprained MCL. Yeah. Well, if we switch focus to the two men patrolling the sidelines here, I mean, you've got these young 38 and 36 year old young by NFL standards, at least Zach Taylor and Sean McVay. And I mean, Sean McVay would probably have to murder someone in open daylight in Los Angeles to have anyone speak ill of him out on the West Coast there. But can you maybe just talk about what a pleasant surprise Zach Taylor has been this year in terms of turning this team around just from 
two and 14 in year one. And then last year, Joe Burrow got carted off. They were a four win team to now they're in the Super Bowl. Like, how do you sort of see that head to head showdown playing out? And would you give one team maybe an edge in that regard there at the coaching position? Yeah, I think the Zach Taylor thing is pretty crazy that he was, I think, if he wasn't the favorite, he was top three to be the first coach fired. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's crazy to me. But uh, if I give the advantage to anybody, it's going to be Deshaun McVay. He's been to the Super Bowl. So, like, if there's any type of nerve situation or a guy that wasn't ready for the moment in the same way and honestly i feel like sean mcveigh's probably been kept up 24 hours a night 24 hours a day all night just about the last time he was there because he got so close and didn't win it so there's a lot going in his direction it's it's a fun matchup though because i mean obviously zach taylor comes from the sean mcveigh tree in a way even though it's not i don't think they run the same offense but you know grew he he was his quarterback coach, uh, I think, during that Super Bowl uh, run. So I don't know. It, it it it'll be fun. If I had to guess, I think I don't know if it matters, but I think Zach Taylor would know Sean McVay's offense better than Sean McVay knows Zach Taylor's offense, just because it's so different in comparison. Mm-hmm. But if I had to just talk about the experience and the uh, who I think has the edge, I still think that Sean McVay and the Rams coaching staff has the edge there. Although I will say probably the underrated matchup is uh, Raheem Morris has done a good job for the Rams and this playoff run, Lou Anarumo has really <laughs> done a great job. Uh, his adjustments to hold the chiefs to three at halftime held Henry to like 30 yards. He in the first game did a good job limiting the Raiders. I mean, this guy, I don't think the defense is, top five talent and he's getting them to perform at such a high level it's it's great to see so i'm i think the thing i'm most excited for is to see what is he going to do to try to limit the rams offense yeah no it's a interesting point too right because we know that both of these two offenses can score there's no doubt about that defensively though i mean the rams obviously have a fearsome front seven but you look at how San Francisco, who isn't exactly a world-renowned offense there, has just given them fits the last couple of times that they've met, whether it's the last regular season game, earlier when they beat them in the season, meeting in the NFC championships there. Like all of those games, San Francisco just seemed to have Los Angeles number. Is there anything that you saw in any of those games that you think Cincinnati has the personnel on their defense that they can sort of mimic that and cause some of the same problems that San Francisco's defense was able to do to Matt Stafford and Sean? McVeigh? I think the thing that's rough is just that San Francisco is such a talented front and uh, that some of what they do is just kick the Rams butt in the trenches so that's some of it I think you could try to take some of what they do and uh, maybe coverage wise I haven't looked too too closely at it uh, but I know they've gotten Stafford to I mean, he makes a few questionable throws. It feels like every 49ers game. So maybe you try to see, well, what's causing that? And if it's not the pressure, is it something he's seeing on the back end? Like he doesn't, he doesn't see it as well when, I don't know, you hold one coverage for a split second longer than he thinks you will. And then you switch into something else or whatever. I think there's definitely gonna be something to take away from it. I haven't dug too much into it myself, so I, I'm not sure. But when I watch live, I'm like, Oh man, that San Francisco defensive line is really good. (laughs) 
on that front too like who is a defensive player that fans should really key in on of maybe having that breakout game or who who's the straw that sort of stirs the drink on the defensive side of the ball for cincinnati this year so up and down year for him after being an all pro last year uh jesse bates has been as good as he has ever been in these playoffs he caused the last he caused the interception in the to win the game against the Chiefs and got an interception off Tannehill in the Titans game on the first play of the game. Uh, so he's just done an awesome job. Broke up four passes in the Raiders game as well. He's just he's been an awesome safety back there. Big reason that they were able to beat the Chiefs and been key on the playoff run. So if I, if I'm gonna take a guess, I think. If he could stay hot and he could just keep playing at the same level, that's the guy that he could change the game for the Bengals. He could flip field position, he get another, keep the uh, well, he, he didn't catch the interception, so it feels weird to say keep the interception streak going, but he was the cause of it. He he got over the top, he yeah. knocked it down. It was just Von Bell's hands were right there to catch it. So if he, if he can keep causing these turnovers, keep playing well, that's the guy that I think you got to look for on the Bengals defense switching over to special teams here Evan McPherson is an absolute revelation pretty much a rock star in Cincinnati right now like have you ever seen not only just a team but its fan base as well to embrace a kicker like this before like outside of maybe Adam Vinatieri or some of the greats like all time like have you ever seen anything like this as far as a pro debut for a kicker the only thing I could think of, and I'm not positive if it's as if it was as welcoming at the start, was just I mean, Ravens fans worship Justin Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I think of. But other than that, no, like he's I think 12 of 12 in the playoffs and has two last second. Well, can't say last second, one was in the overtime, but two game-winning field goals where the game ends on the field goal, one as time expires and one in overtime. I mean the guy is clutch. He's up for every big moment. He hit, he's hit four 50 yard field goals so far, just in the playoffs. I mean, this, he's got the leg, he's got accuracy, he's clutch. He's just everything you want in a kicker. And I know they drafted him. So some people were all on their high horse. Oh, you can't draft a kicker. You got, you got to just find these undrafted, whatever you get a guy that can go 12 of 12 in the playoffs and hit four fifty yarders. That's worth it. I don't know who you're drafting the fifth round. That's better. Exactly. Who, who knows? Maybe Cincinnati's money balling us all right now. They found some sort of algorithm to draft all these kickers or something like that. And it's a copycat league. All of a sudden 2022 NFL draft, who knows? Maybe we'll have a record number of kickers taken round seven or something but the rams offensively they've obviously got weapons you can never discount odell beckham jr you can never discount you know the cam Akers. what can matt stafford do but by and large it is the cooper cup show because the season he's having is absolutely tremendous you know triple crown winner there for receiving how do the Bengals try and contain him on Super Bowl Sunday? Like, is there anything that you think off the top of your head that we will probably see, at least in the early going and see, okay, it, is this working or do we need to make some of those famous second half adjustments and throw the playbook out? Are they going to double them right off the top? Is there going to be safety help over the top? What's sort of the vibe you're getting for how they'll try and deal with that offensive threat? The one thing that is, it's Zach Taylor knows him pretty well as <laughs> a former coach of his. Yeah. And I believe he was there 
Sean McVay told this story where he, when they were going to draft Cooper Cup, they had Zach Taylor, former college quarterback, throwing all the passes to him. So he knows him. I would think he thinks pretty highly of him. I I think they might just go right away, just give him a bracket early, just double team him and make somebody else beat you. Put your best corner on Odell, double team Cup, and then if Van Jefferson kills you, Van Jefferson kills you, but don't let their stars do it. And that's kind of what they've been all about this whole uh, postseason is don't let the stars kill you. That didn't didn't let Henry kill them, didn't let Tyreek kill them, didn't let Kelsey kill them. Let If you're going to beat them, do it with somebody that you don't want to do it with. Well, much has been made as well, too. If we go all of these years of, you know, the team that's hosting the Super Bowl never makes it. Now we have it in back-to-back years where Tampa Bay hosts and wins it last year. Los Angeles is hosting it and they're in it this year. So how much of an advantage do you think it's going to be on Super Bowl Sunday, given the fact that it's in SoFi Stadium, it's in the Rams' backyard, knowing as well, too, though, that, you know, Super Bowl is largely a corporate event, right? A lot of these tickets are just going out to companies and trying to impress clients and all that. So there's very few hardcore fans that are necessarily going to be there. But that being said, do you think the Rams are going to get any kind of home field advantage in the Super Bowl? Or is it kind of a wash in your opinion? The only thing I think they get the advantage on is they don't have to travel and they get to sleep in their own beds. They don't have to go to a hotel. None of that. They get to be with their family. So that's, that's the advantage to me is that they don't have to do all the traveling. I mean, heck, even if this was a regular season game, it doesn't seem like the Rams fans really pack out the stadium very well. So I don't think they'll do it for the Super Bowl, especially when the cheapest tickets you can find are like $8,000. So I think it's going to be a a lot of celebrities of Los Angeles that will be going. And uh, like you said, companies uh, trying to impress clients, all that type of thing. I don't think it's going to be too crazy. I think I don't think there's going to be a ton of noise that everybody has to deal with all those things you think of with uh, home field advantage. The only thing I think that they have the advantage on is just, they don't have the stress of flying out there and you get the bye week too. So it's, it even gives it even less of an advantage. So sleeping in your bed and seeing your family, I guess is the main advantage that they have. Yeah, no, it'll definitely be a, a who's who the glitterati of Los Angeles will be out in full force. Maybe we'll see Rob Lowe show up in another NFL logo <laughs> or something in the stands. But regardless of how the Super Bowl goes, whether you win or lose this offseason, you guys are going to now all of a sudden go from, OK, kind of get the leftovers of some of the free agents, maybe to a destination. Right. People look at Joe Burrow and the fact that you're a team that's on the rise. You're in the Super Bowl that's going to be a hot free agent destination between free agency and the draft. What are the biggest needs that Cincinnati needs to address this off season? I feel like it's very obvious to say uh, left guard center, right guard and right tackle. (laughs) We all watch the games and they're doing this despite that offensive line. I think for the other stuff that they need, I mean, I wouldn't trust going into a season without competition for Eli Apple. (laughs) That just seems like he hasn't been even an adequate starter before. And he's doing that right now. I don't want to take that away from him, but you think about it. You're like, well, what if he's not actually good? What if he's just lucky or what if he's just really hot right now? And he doesn't carry that in the next year. You want to have somebody else there. So I think they have to try to find some type of perimeter cornerback to challenge him. They've got a lot of their own free agents. So if they don't keep some of those guys, then got to look to replace them. But 
Yeah, and the main thing I think of is just the offensive line. I'm never against getting more defensive tackles or defensive ends, just loading up on those big guys because they, they face a lot of injuries, face a lot of contact. Offensive line, defensive line, and a corner, and that's really what they need. There's some stuff you could do luxury-wise, like some athletic tight end wants to come here, then you go, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> that We could use it, <laughs> but it's not something that I'd – I don't think I put anything over grabbing some offensive linemen. That just feels like if you grab offensive linemen, this offense is just going to explode. Yeah. So if uh, come draft day, they call anyone's name who weighs under 300 pounds, uh, it'll be a bit of a shock to Cincinnati fans is what you're saying then. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, essentially. Although I do think the the number one center that everybody talks about, I think he comes in around 285, 290. Oh, okay. So <laughs> oh, what, a, what a lightweight then. <laughs> I know one exception. Yeah. <laughs> He's a- oh amazing well again it's been a long time coming for the cincinnati Bengals here maybe before we let you go here let's just get a score prediction and uh then tell the people as well too who are listening where they can find your podcast and all the stuff that you're putting out there today okay i haven't even thought of one but i'm gonna be honest that i picked them to lose the past two weeks and i'm a little bit superstitious so (laughs) Rams win, uh, let's say, 24-21. I think it's a little bit lower scoring than people might think. I I think that the Bengals' defense has just done a really good job of taking stuff away. And on the other end, the offensive line that I just mentioned, four spots probably need replaced. They go against Aaron Donald and Von Miller. So... (laughs) <laughs> can fun, see that little Sunday right there for <laughs> <laughs> can see that being an issue so I'll say 24 21 Rams I think it's gonna be a good one I I hope it's not as like low scoring as the last Rams Super Bowl because that was a snooze fest but uh yeah I'll, I'll pick the Rams and even if I don't know if I fully believe it I just I just feel like if I go against that and I, I pick the Bengals to finally win one <laughs> and they lose I will never forgive myself yeah, there you go. So you're not superstitious, but you're a little stitious then, as Michael Scott would say from the office there. Yeah, podcast locked on Bengals. If you just want to listen this week, I'm on uh, my episode for this week already happened. I'm on once a week. Uh, they have it every day, the two hosts, which bless I don't have to do that every single day, but <laughs> once a week, um, usually right now it comes out Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So you can check that out if if you don't care about the podcast but you want to see a whole lot of clips from the super bowl and other stuff and me breaking things down go to my twitter at bangles underscore sands and i promote pretty much everything there so if you want to if you really want to just see what's going on with uh, me then i'd check that out over anything else there we go all right well we'll check in with you in a couple weeks we'll see if you're a happy man or if uh your superstitious prediction there ended up uh coming true or not but mike we appreciate you coming on take care Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. As always, a huge thank you goes out to both of our guests today, Josh and Mike, for swinging by and talking all things Cincinnati Bengals ahead of Super Bowl 56. Going to be a great one, taking on the Los Angeles Rams, so they'll certainly have their hands full. If you want more Bengals info, be sure to give them a follow on social media or check out any of their websites. Speaking of websites, our DinesPressBox.com continues to grow. We've recently added a whack 
backload of new contributors. So fresh content going up every single day. Be sure to check that out. And if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you give us a nice little five-star review or write up on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're streaming this from today. Till next time, folks, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you.